When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Wednesday Bible Study. Uh, We are so thankful that you are with us today. If you're here for the first time, or you've been here most of the time for the last, uh, well, I guess here on the YouTube channel, we probably have not been here the full eight years, but uh, it didn't take too long. Uh, We've been here for a while. If you are listening to one of our audio archives, if you've been here the whole time, uh, it is a a Bible study that happens most every Wednesday. We're in the Rick and Bubba studios here. I'm Rick from the Rick and Bubba show, also the director of themanchurch.com. That, of course, is we are an organization that is put together, and and we feel called by God to reach and disciple men. And we put together a discipleship strategy uh, that you can find at themanchurch.com. I'm telling you guys coming in here today i was sitting here with one of the members of the class we were talking beforehand and i mean just churches are coming on literally uh by handfuls by the day and and the number is growing we're in between somewhere between 530 and uh you know 600 churches i don't it just keeps moving but that's great that are coming on there's so many places you can get involved if you'd like to all over the country and even around the world find those at the the manchurch.com if you're wondering where there's a church doing the strategy if your church isn't um one of the good ways to try to find it is to go to the manchurch.com and click event so if you see a, a church doing an event our service is a better word to use because uh, we will have some events, but uh, the churches and the strategy, they do services, and then uh, those services put them in in small groups where they do curriculum, and you have high challenge and high equipping that works for 40 weeks out of every year. Uh, we have three different curriculum. We have a fourth one coming out in 2023. We have another resource for ind- – you know, we have individual resources. We have another one of those coming out this fall. Uh, but anyway, it, for instance, look, look at events right now at themanchurch.com. So – Bolivar, uh, Tennessee. Uh, Andrew Varvudis from our team is going to be speaking there this Saturday, August the 20th. So you know when you see that, well, there's a church, uh, if you're in that part of the world, uh, they're going to kick it off so you could get right in the middle of that. I mean, just, just start it with them as they kick it off this Saturday. On Sunday, LaGrange, Georgia, I'll be there. Uh, they have started the curriculum, but this is their first service, and I'll be doing the service, and you can plug into the curriculum there too. And uh, as a matter of fact, coming up on this Friday night in Russellville, uh, uh, Arkansas. You, there's a chance for you to plug in there uh, this Friday night, uh, and and that'll be at Restoration Church. So if you if you if you're looking for a big kickoff there, you can be there for that. I'll actually be doing the message via video for that one on the 19th. So uh, if you're looking for different man churches on, on where to be and where to plug in, you can find those at themanchurch.com. You can also find, uh, you know, like say the 26th of August, uh, Harmony Baptist Church, Avon, Indiana. Mark Garnett will be there. Uh, August 28th, First Baptist Church, Tuscaloosa. Rich Wingo will be there. Uh, so find those um, at, at themanchurch.com uh, under events. Also, we have a another resource for you called the Strive app. This is an app that has archives from this Bible study and and other sermons and Bible studies from other teachers that we trust. Uh, and you can uh, use that Strive app uh, as a resource. If you want to try it for seven days for free, just go get it wherever you get apps. Strive, S-T-R-I-V-E. We also have daily devotionals that update weekly. 
Every week you get a, you know, five, five, seven more days of devotionals. So, so look for that wherever you get apps. That's Strive, S-T-R-I-V-E. All right, let's open up in, in a word of prayer. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 31. If you're new today, we have, we're, we're in our eighth month of walking through the book of Genesis, and today we will find ourselves in Genesis chapter 31. Let's open with prayer. Lord, thank you for today. So excited uh, about the men that are in this room. Uh, may your hand be upon them. So many prayer requests, so many things going on in the lives of the individual men here. And then there's men and women that are watching this and listening to this. Uh, I mean, it, it could be anywhere in the world. And, and I pray, Lord, and thank you for the technology for that to be true. Uh, and may you use today to speak to our hearts. We are thankful uh, for Jerry, uh, who's here in our, our class. Uh, the back surgery on Friday uh, of last week uh, went uh, went smoothly. Uh, we're, we're praying for his uh, recovery, and uh, thank you for the doctors and the job they've already done, and please be with him as he recovers. Uh, also, Lord, I pray that you will speak clearly today to the hearts of all of us. Take away my imperfections, crucify my, my, my self and pride so that we hear from you, not my opinions, but your truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so here's what's happening uh, in Genesis 31. We know that, that Jacob... Uh, has been working for for Laban. Uh, we know about all the trickery that's gone on, and and Jacob, you know, getting a little, little dose of his own medicine about being a deceiver. So he's he has two wives because of the trickery of Laban. Uh, we know that Leah is the wife that's producing uh, the most children, uh, but unfortunately for her, she's not the the wife that that Jacob really loves. He loves Rachel. And that has that's caused a lot of problems that we talked about last week. We talked about Jacob being passive. Uh, we talked about uh, him not even looking after the wives, even protecting them from themselves. Uh, you know, cutting all kinds of deals and and not leading his family very well. Well, you're going to see him take some action now in Genesis 31. Um, and uh, so when when he got ready to leave, you remember last week uh, he and Laban cut a deal. And, and Jacob kind of outfoxed him on this one, too, uh, on him leaving uh, with, with flocks. He's leaving with his wives. He's leaving with his children. He's going back uh, to what uh, uh, God has, has told him to do, and that is for him to go back to the, to the land of his father and his grandfather, the land in Canaan uh, that, um, that God has promised to his ancestors, and he is to go back. It's been 20 years uh, since Rachel sent him away to protect him from from Esau after they had deceived Esau and Isaac. And uh, so now is the time for Jacob to return. And that's the key because if, if it's time for Jacob to leave Haran and, and, to, uh, and to go back to Canaan, uh, then if God says this is the time, then nothing's going to stop it. And, and we're going to see that Laban uh, and his sons will try to stop it uh, but uh, again, God uh, is going to be shown to be faithful once again. So let, let me tell you kind of what's happening here. Uh, in 31, uh, let's just read verses 1 through 3. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's and from what was our father's, and he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor, favor, I'm sorry, as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. And we want to underline what? I will be with you. Uh, Who else told us they would be with us? Jesus. And Jesus told us to do what? 
Just like God is telling Jacob, it's time to go, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Jesus, when he had accomplished what only he could, remember, all of us that are hearing this and sitting in this room, we are held to a higher standard than even Jacob. And you know why? Because we've seen the fulfillment of it all. We're on the other side of the resurrection. It has all been fulfilled. We have the entire truth. And so really, we are held to even a higher standard because of all that God has allowed us to know. So when when Jesus said, and this is going to be a tough question right out of the gate, probably something you didn't see coming out of Genesis 31. I certainly didn't. But this is what God pressed on me preparing for this lesson for you. Jesus said, as God has told Jacob, it's time to go. Here's what you do. When Jesus was about to ascend to return to his place seated at the right hand of the Father, he said to every one of us that claims to be his disciples, now you go and make disciples and teach them all that I have commanded you. And I will be with you, just as God is saying here, to the end of the earth, the end of the age, whatever your translation may say, meaning until I come back, until the age of grace is over. My spirit will be with you. And here's the hard question. Are you doing it? First of all, are you even able to teach all that Jesus has commanded? Do you even know it? Would you say it's impossible to teach what all Jesus has commanded if you don't know what he commanded? That would be extremely difficult. And this is the good part about being in here on a consistent basis or somewhere where you're studying the Word of God, some plan that you're studying the Word of God so that you we can't teach. You know, I mean, what what if right now I said, hey, I've got some clients coming by. Now, those of you who don't know what I do for a living, I co-host the Rick and Bubba Show. It's a radio show, and we're kind of a media outlet. And so, you know, we have salespeople that go out and get into uh, advertisement uh, arrangements with, with products. And what if I said, hey, guys, I got to go. Now, when I go, I've got clients that are going to come in here, and I want you to tell them everything you learned from me about the Rick and Bubba show so they'll know what to do next and they can consider actually uh, doing a partnership with us. Well, what if I walk out and y'all look at you and said, I've never even heard this show. I've never even seen it. And one guy says, who is this? I was just invited to the Bible study. They said, well, that's Rick. It's from Rick and Bubba. Well, I don't know anything about the Rick and Bubba show. Would, would, Would you say that if the clients came in and wanted to talk to you, they'd be in trouble? Because you don't know what you're talking about. You you haven't taken the time to watch it. You haven't taken the time to listen to it. You haven't studied the history of the show. You don't know anything about it. So you wouldn't be of much use, would you? So are we any use to the advancement of the kingdom? So let me ask you this. Are you making disciples? Am I making disciples? It's a question that we need to ask ourselves because if we're not, it means that Jesus has told us to do something that we just said, I'm not doing it. And he said, only those that obey my commandments are the ones who really love me, John 14, 15. So it could be that we're not doing it, not because we're nervous, not because we don't feel comfortable, not because that's not our personality. No, we may not be doing it because we just don't love him. Because I promise you, if you were to ask us about the things we love, we have found a way to know a lot about those. And we wouldn't be nervous about talking about that. I wouldn't. Would you be nervous talking about things you love? No, you're an expert on it. Why, do you, why are we an expert on it? Because we love it. So if we're not experts on this, it's because we don't love it. And I'm talking to myself, and I'm just talking to y'all. And those of you out there watching and listening, 
And I had to really simmer on that. So anyway, let's look at what's happening here. So the sons uh, have assumed what? Not that that God had blessed Jacob or that Jacob had had known how to handle uh, you know genetics when it comes to flocks. They have come to the conclusion that if Jacob's got these flocks, he must have taken them from their father's wealth, and they're unaware of Jacob's work. Uh, that that he you know they they didn't know uh, that how much he had played a role in increasing their father's wealth. You know what that tells you? Who do you think who do you think was taking credit for it? Probably Laban taking credit for it because his sons didn't seem to know about it. They they didn't have any idea that really Jacob had been uh, used by God to bless Laban. Uh, and all the good work that Jacob had done, and what? That he would be perfectly capable of establishing a flock of his own. Why? Because he'd established one for Laban. It's not like he didn't know how to do it. And so, but they assume uh, that he uh, that he stole it. They did not think Jacob was underpaid and underappreciated. Uh, finally, uh, what we're really finding here, if they knew the truth, what are we finding? We are finding that Jacob took those gifts that he'd been using for Laban and said, I'm going to use them for myself. You ever felt that way working somewhere? Underappreciated, underpaid, felt like that, that nobody nobody understands the the contribution you have to the company. And have you ever thought to yourself, I, 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 I'd feel a lot different about this if I was just doing it for myself. I keep doing it for these people. They don't appreciate it. They abuse it. They take credit for it. You ever, I'm sure we can relate to that, can't we? So that's 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 where Jacob was. Now, again, God is reassuring him of the covenant. He had not forgot the promise at Bethel, and uh, and he say he said I w- I want you to go back to your kindred that's Abraham and Isaac because you are linked. Why is God not going to let this promise fail? Why is that? Because Jacob has a spiritual inheritance that can't be stopped. Jesus is coming, and nobody's going to stop it. And it's going to come through Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham, and nobody's going to stop it. And so he, he, it's like I love, I love, I love the first time I had a pastor teach me this, that great story in Scripture when the disciples are with Jesus and he says, we're going to the other side. And they freak out when the storm hits and all this stuff. And, and what the pastor taught me is it was already done. The reason why you don't freak out in the storm is because what did Jesus say? We're going to the other side. So guess what? We go into the other side. No matter what it may feel like, we're going to get there. And, and that's the kind of faith we got to have in the God we serve because he never fails us. Somebody say amen. All right, so now let's look at uh, verses 14 through 16. And this is Jacob. Now, this is kind of cool. I, I really took got a lot out of this. Um, all the things that Jacob's been doing wrong, he starts correcting some of that. And um, I don't know if you've ever had that in your life. You know, it's one thing to do things wrong. It's another thing to refuse to correct it. But, but so all this mistreatment of his wives and how passive he's been, he's now going to take his wives and show that he does see them of value. He's going to start consulting them on what do they think about what we're going to do next, uh, which I think is cool. Look, look, look at verses fourteen through um, 4 through 16. So Jacob went and called Rachel and Leah into the field where the flock was, and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God, underline that, every time you see but God, you underline it. 
but God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore striped. Thus God has, God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. And, and let me tell you something. Look what happens next. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us, to our children. Now then, and this is big, whatever God has said to you, do. So let's unpack this a little bit. A lot going on. So Jacob's consulting his wives, which I like. Uh, I hope that that you, if you're married, I hope that you hold your wife in high regard. I hope that she's respected. I hope that she's valued. I hope that she's respected. And I hope that you do see her as a value to you when it comes to wisdom, especially if you've done your job of bathing her in the word of, word of God, and I've done my job of, of the headship, not, not, not that I'm more important or more valuable than her, but the headship, just like Jesus said inside in the Trinity, there's a headship. The Father is the head, but the Son is not. He says, I'm equal with the Father. The Holy Spirit's equal with the, with the Son and the Father. But there's a headship in the family, and I can tell you that God has gifted us with these wives. Don't miss what he said in Genesis. And if you're not married yet or you intend to be married again, listen. Okay? He said that he made for man, a male, the perfect helper. So let him help. I know some men that, that when they're away from their wives and around the other guys, they make fun of their wives and they act like they're some inferior, you know, and they're almost tolerated just, uh, just for sex and housework. Uh, but they really don't have any value, and they're kind of, they don't know as much as I know. They're not as smart as I am. And, 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 and you know, I, those kind of men make my stomach turn. But let me tell you something. Um, and that they usually are men of low self-esteem. That's how, that's, how, that's how pitiful they are that they have to put down their wives to make themselves look better, um, which, which tells you a lot about them. But those that have their wife in the proper role as your helper, when they speak to you about something, listen. Listen, I can tell you the number of times I've disregarded the wisdom of my wife, wisdom of my wife, just because I thought I knew better. Not that I've ever deemed her as inferior to me, that I just knew better. And I wished I'd listened to her, especially regarding people. My wife knows people and she knows them really, really well. And her spiritual discernment is excellent. So, so anyway, um, it, it, he's, he's saying to his wives, now your daddy has changed his attitude about me. Y'all know how hard I've worked. You ever had this conversation at home about people you work for? Y'all, you know how hard I've worked. 
and you know I've been loyal to you, Daddy, and 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 all that. And Laban has tried to outmaneuver me. Uh, Jacob, uh, uh, you know, he he keeps trying to outmaneuver Jacob. Why can Laban not outmaneuver Jacob? That's right. God's with him. Jacob, you're not going to beat him. I mean, God's going to work his plan. I want you to understand that. Those of us that are redeemed, we stand under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The adversary is not going to outmaneuver us. But not because of us, because us against Satan is not that's not good. But we got Jesus. We're under his authority. He's not going to outmaneuver Jesus. I got news for y'all. God wins. Okay, so so make sure that you're with him. So so he cannot do this. And then look at verses 10 or 11. God reassures him in a dream. He's letting him know. Now, remember last chapter we were wondering whether this stuff he was doing with the nutrients was producing the spotted, the striped, or was this some supernatural thing from God? I think the dream confirms that it's a supernatural thing from God. God said, by the way, whatever deal Laban makes to try to trick you out of the flock, whatever he says your flock is going to be, that's what's going to be birthed. So God said, I got that covered. It doesn't matter. He could say they're going to be purple, and, you, and I promise you they're going to start producing purple sheep and purple goats. You, you're not going to beat God on this. This is not a difficult thing for God to, to be sure that Jacob gets a, gets a healthy flock that looks the way it's supposed to. So he reassures, and don't you love that? When God reminds us what? I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't despair. Paul's saying in the powerful chapter 8 of Romans, if God's with you, who can be against you? You're co-heirs with Christ. You're adopted into his family. You're his children. He's not going to abandon his children. Now, if you're not one of his children, good luck. You, 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 need to, you need to rectify that. I can't make those same promises to you. God reminds us, and he always reminds us, but think about this, at this point, the wives apparently had never been told about the dream till right now. He kind of kept that to himself, but he's telling them this, and uh, and and he's and look look what they say about their own daddy. They said our daddy don't care about us. Our daddy has squandered our inheritance. He's left nothing for us. Now I want you to think about this. What you're finding out right here for those of us that that have children. Laban might have been putting on some show for everybody, but guess who knows him and knows him well? His daughters. His children know him. And his daughters saying, I see the way he treats our brothers, and I see the way he's treated us. And they have no respect for their father. They have no issue taking everything he's got, if that's what, if that's what God wants, and leaving with it, because they say he ain't never done anything for us. He sold us, and... Um, and, he, you know, the way he played games with his daughters, with Leah and Rachel. And so they are going with their husband because up to this point, their husband had treated them much better than their father ever did, even on his worst day. And also there's something to see here for those of you here uh, and, and those all of us that have daughters and have sons, but especially dealing with daughters. There comes a time when their husband supersedes you. You got to step away. You're you're not more important in their life than their husband. And if you have sons, you and your wife are not more important in their life than their wife. Once that new family is established, that's who's in charge now. 
and it would it would serve us all well to stay out of where we don't belong. We're in a position to be honored, okay, and we're there to help, and we certainly. But but your authority once they your your children are married, your authority now takes a back seat. Their number one earthly priority is their spouse. And and it's and, and some parents can't seem to learn that. I would suggest you learn that and learn that quickly. Things things will go a lot smoother. So now let's look at uh, seventeen through twenty one. The journey now begins. So Jacob arose, uh, and he he set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all of his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired, uh, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. And um, this is a this is a really cool uh, moment for uh, for Jacob because you see him now uh, taking some uh, some ownership of his family and and putting himself in a place of authority. Now let's look at at nineteen. Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole her father's household gods. Underline that twenty. And Jacob tricked Laban, the Armenian. By not telling him that he intended to flee, he fled with all he had and arose and across the Euphrates and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. All right, so let's 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 unpack this a little bit, okay? So the journey begins. Uh, he acted looks like he acted at once. He and his sons have have camels to ride. Uh, he collects the flocks and the herd. Uh, that could not have been an easy task, by the way. Him rounding all this up. Uh, even though Rachel uh, was um, uh, the primary uh, parent here uh, for the move, it looks like, uh, his concern on returning uh, is, is it's really not focused on you know whether it's going to be a, a problem with Rachel going. He's taking Leah as well, so he's putting them. Uh, but the, the, the returning, even though Rachel is – is important and she is the wife that he loves leah is being respected he's in, he's kind of got a mess there that 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 laban put on him but he's trying to honor the whole thing the real reason for him now the focus of him getting back to canaan not that rachel is, is put in a secondary position but his focus is beyond just getting away from laban now the focus is also i must return to the land of my father the focus is now moving toward my father's land um, Rachel steals her father's household gods. Uh, teraphim is what you'll find. This is pretty common. Uh, it's, it's almost like, think about what you got to be careful with this stuff. Think about like good luck trinkets, things you think bring you good luck, which I, we shouldn't as men of God and women of God should not be dabbling in. But, but Laban still dabbles in this stuff. And you'll see it again when they make the covenant. Um, so this was things that a lot of times the, the the people would put in their homes, like protecting their home. They thought it protected the home in some way. They There's a lot of theories on why Rachel would take it, uh, and I read a bunch of them. Uh, one is because she knew that it uh, would infuriate Laban. Uh, it might be because she thought it would give them protection on the journey. She still bought into some of this from her father's upbringing. Um, it's really gray, and no one really knows 
the real reason, because Moses maybe thinks the ancient readers would understand why she would do this, but the theories are she did it for spite. She did it because she thought it did have some power and didn't want Laban to have it. She thought it might protect them on the journey. We don't really know, but it plays a big role coming up. Um, but the bigger thing we need to look at is the fact that Laban was the kind of man that still had these things in his house. I mean, he's still hanging on to these superstitions and this mystic stuff. Remember us talking about uh, when he was talking about going to see a fortune teller and she had told him why, why, that Jacob was a blessing to him and all this garbage. So he obviously dabbles in all this. Um, so we don't really know because we're never really told why she did it. We just know that she did, and these are some of the theories of why she might. Um, so in verse 20, Jacob again is tricking uh, Laban and, uh, and, and, and stole. Uh, if, if you look at it, when it says here, when it talked about tricked, really if you look at the Hebrew word here, it means to steal the heart of, to take something that really means something to somebody. Um, and, um, and, and at this time they're, they're calling, uh, him an Armenian, uh, or that would be a Syrian. Either one would work. But what the word means in Hebrew here is the word for deceive or deceiver. So what, while you're seeing Laban being called uh, an Aramean right now is to say that he stole the heart of the deceiver. Once again, the deceiver has deceived the deceiver. And, uh, that's what's going on here. And, um, and and he, he and, and Laban would suffer uh, what uh, what he inflicted on Jacob all this changing of the deals and all that and then we get to 21 it tells us where they went that this was this was a big journey they're going over the Euphrates Euphrates River toward uh, the mountain in the area of uh, Gilead a Gilead so uh, so that kind of tells you that this is this is a big undertaking. Uh, so now, verses 22 through 25, we're going to see that the Laban starts his pursuit. Okay, when look at 22. When it was told, uh, when it was told Laban on the third day. So there's a three day gap where Laban is behind Jacob had fled. Uh, now Laban, verse 23, took his kinsmen, literally his brothers, with him and pursued him for seven days, and followed close after him into the hill country. Uh, and and that's that's exactly where he's going into Gilead, okay. And and so, look at twenty four. But God, underline that again. But God, but God came to Laban, uh, the Aramean, in a dream by night, and said to him, "Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad." Twenty five. And Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country. And, and Laban was with his kinsmen, and they pinched their, pitched their tents in the hook, hill country as well where he's at, at Gilead, okay? All right, so let, let's talk about what's happening here. First of all, we got a three-day head start, but what? But Jacob's got wives, he's got children, he's got flocks. He ain't moving real fast. So now Laban's picked up some of his brothers and said, we gotta, we got we to gotta make some time. And so even with a three-day start, they caught him in seven days because of how, because of how slow uh, that he was moving compared to, to Laban. So let's look what happened there. So he, uh, he takes up the pursuit, um, and um, we know why that, uh, that they're looking for them. He, he gets this done uh, in, in seven days. Uh, but then at 24, what do you see? Those two words again, but God. 
but God. Think about how many times. I mean, think about our own stories. Think about redemption. I was I was in sin. I could not save myself. There's nothing I could do to reconcile myself and all my sin and my fallen flesh back to a perfect and holy God, but God redeemed me anyway. But God worked a plan to redeem me. Every one of us in here or watching or listening, if you've been redeemed, but God ought to mean something to you because it's it's a game changer. So again, uh, as Laban tries to do this to his family over and over again, here's the bottom line. You want me to take what, what 24 says? Look at what 24 24 says, but God came to Laban the Aramean in a, in a dream by night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. You want me to tell you what we'd say in Calhoun County? Don't mess with Jacob. You, you, you can catch him all day long, but this is my guy. Don't, don't mess with Jacob. Mess with Jacob, mess with me. Right? The shirt like my wife has. Mess with me, mess with the whole trailer park. We all ready. So, so God is saying, this is my guy. You need to leave him alone. Would God say that about us? To mess with Rick is to mess with me. Are, are we that devoted to him? You see that Jacob's got all kinds of problems just like we do, but he's God's guy. Okay, we serve a gracious God. Praise God for that. And, uh, you know, it, we, we, as long as we acknowledge where we're wrong and we repent and we correct it, you know, God doesn't go off and abandon us because we can't seem to get it perfect. Now, there's a day coming that we'll be glorified and we will be made perfect. But in Jesus Christ, we're righteous, not of our own ability to accomplish it. So that's that's big. Once this happens, if either way, think about it. This is the beautiful thing. Now it's on Laban. Laban can listen and God not destroy him. Or Laban cannot listen and God destroy him. There's no scenario where Laban's going to beat Jacob. That's the part you got to take away. See, I think sometimes when I read this, I go, wow, I hope Laban listens or Jacob's going to be in trouble. No, Jacob's not in trouble. It doesn't matter what Laban does. It's Now it's on, on Laban to decide. It's, it's kind of God to let Laban know that. I'm telling you, don't don't mess with him. I love that he says don't say anything good or bad. I, I don't want you telling. I, I don't want him listening to anything you got to say. All you need to do is go over and make and make, make right with him. You better enter into a covenant with him and be at peace with him. And um, have you ever gotten that part where you're just so – you've been so deceived or treated poorly by somebody so many times? You do, you get to the point where you – it's not that you don't want to hear anything bad from me anymore. You don't want to hear anything. I honestly just don't want to hear from you anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm done with hearing you go on and on. Every time you say something, it causes trouble for all of us. So um, – so he is telling him, and this is big, he says, do not pass judgment on Jacob, good or bad. That is my call, God talking, and God makes sure, and I love this line. This came out of uh, J.W. Ferguson. God makes sure it's going to be a discussion between Laban and Jacob, not a war. God makes sure the war is not an option. Okay, and so now let's look at verses 26 through 30. 26 through 30, and Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have tricked me and driven away my daughters like captives of the sword? Here he goes again. All right, so look at 27. Why did you flee secretly and trick me 
It did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs, with tambourines and lyre. And why did you not permit me to kiss my sons and my daughters farewell? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm, but God, look here, but the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, good or bad, verse 30. And now you have gone away because you have longed greatly for your father's house, but why did you steal my gods? That's all he's worried about. Where, where's, my, where's my gods? Why'd you take those? Now, first of all, we've all dealt with this person. They're the one doing the bad things, but it's never them. Well, I just can't believe you treat me this way. I mean, I ain't never been anything but good to you. Yeah, but you haven't. I mean, you, you, you really haven't been good to me. But they always give their own resume that they're a victim. You, you met these people? They're always the victim. Their behavior has nothing to do. They can't believe this has happened after they've mistreated people over and over again, and then people don't want anything to do with them or they're upset with them, and what did they play immediately? Why, well, I can't believe you treat me this way. I've been – look, you didn't even – look. now he loves his daughters. I didn't even get to kiss my daughters goodbye. You know, the ones I was using to manipulate you. Uh, I, I didn't get to kiss well, – my, my grandkids, my grandsons, didn't get to kiss them goodbye. You know, I've been nothing but a good grandfather. And you're like, I, that's not, not – I don't know what world you live in, Paul Paul, but you, you've been terrible. <laughs> And, uh, and and so, and then he's like, I love this. If I'd have just known, I'd have give you a big party. No, you kept telling me you weren't going to let me leave. You know, and, the, and by the way, I don't know how to tell you this. You're chasing me. That's not a good sign that he was willing to let him go, was it? And uh, so he gives this ridiculous speech and um, makes an accusation to him. What have you done? What have you done to me? And and then he, he uses um, – this uh, to accuse him, he's basically accusing him of stealing his daughters as, as if they were forced to leave, which is hilarious. Uh, and, and the weakness of his accusations are obvious. I mean, Laban is delusional about uh, uh, his, about his regard for his daughters and and that they love him so much. I mean, does he really think his daughters wouldn't want to leave him after the way they've treated him? Um, Rebecca um, left pretty quick too, if you remember when she was uh, Laban's sister. Remember. I mean, when, when, when Isaac showed up, she didn't hang around. She went pretty quick. So I don't think Laban is, is, is the best person to, to be with. He, he doesn't have a good record. Uh, Laban then uh, changes his tune as if he, it's a, he's emotionally disappointed, gets a little pitiful, uh, like Jacob wasn't considerate to him. Uh, he, he acknowledges, though, what? And this is the truth of it all. If you'll listen to people long enough or watch them, they'll eventually tell the truth. All these deceivers. Here's what happens. Well, you know that I had a dream and got warned from God that I wasn't to, uh, to bother you, and then the tone changes. And suddenly he kind of becomes a little layman, and he says, well, I understand how you want to get back to your father, and, uh, but, but I do, I do want to know one thing. God's told me not to touch you. I can't believe you treat me this way. I understand you want to get back to your daddy's land. But one thing that still irks me, why would you steal my God's? And of course, now Jacob doesn't know what he's talking about. He has he he doesn't know this. Rachel hasn't shared with Jacob. She has it. He has no idea. So uh, so thirty one through thirty five. 
Jacob answers and said to Laban, because I was afraid for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force, legitimate, anyone with whom you find your God shall not live in the presence of your kinsmen, point out what I have that is yours and take it. And here's when we know from scripture, Moses lets us know. Now, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent into the tent of the two female servants, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. Laban felt all about the tent, but he did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the way of women is upon me. So he searched, but he did not find the household gods. Rachel, pretty slick, pretty slick. So um, Jacob says, look, why don't you, if, if you think something's been stolen, then you look for it, and if you find it, whoever's got it will face death. And uh, so he tells Laban first off, he says, I left because I didn't think you'd let me leave. I was afraid you would take the daughters and wouldn't let me leave. That's why I left, the way you've behaved. Have you ever been dealt with, dealt with someone before or somebody's dealt with you before? And maybe let's take it back on us so we won't be mean to other people. You go to someone and you say, well, I just don't know why you feel that way about, about me. And then suddenly they give you about three or four examples. You go, well, no wonder you thought I would do that. <laughs> Apparently I've, I've, got a, I've got a history of doing that. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I thought you'd get mad. Why do you think I get mad? Because you usually do. And, uh, and, and so uh, do we have that kind of reputation? You know, there's some things that people don't do around us or say to us or include us in. You know why? Because every time they did, we act like an idiot. So they won't do it anymore. That's why they, that's why they do certain things. Why didn't I know about this? Because I didn't want to get your reaction. I knew how you would react. See, we, sometimes you got to look back on yourself. A lot of the things that you may be wondering why things, the first thing we need to do every time we're wondering why we're not invited to something we're not included in something. We're not told something. We're not offered something. We're not asked to do something. The first thing we need to do is to look inside ourselves and say, if I, do I behave in a way that would make people fill in the blank? Maybe it's on me. It's okay for us to think that it might be on us. I know that's not very mod in our society today because nothing's anybody's fault, but it may be, and usually it is. Now, there's cases where that's not the, you know, there's exceptions, but most of the time, my biggest problem and my biggest enemy is just me. You know, I, I spend so much time on making sure I'm right with God, I don't have much time to worry about you. You know, I'm here to help you, but I'm not here to, to, to follow up on you and say, I didn't like how you did that. I didn't like how you did that. I don't, you don't want me to be that. I'm here to hold you accountable just like you hold me accountable. But I got to spend so much time making sure I'm right with God. I don't have a whole lot of time to accuse you for not being right with God. But now I'm here, I'm here to help you. Now I'm here to tell you if I think you've done something wrong. I, I, I had a conversation like that this week where I had to talk to a brother of mine. And I said, I got some things I want to talk to you about. They're not going to be pleasant. And I, but I, and here's what I said, and let's always remember this, okay? This is what I said beforehand. I said the accusation that has been made and the things that I've been told have been told to me by people who are not part of the church. They are not redeemed. They are not followers of Christ. And I said, and I know that you are. 
So you, as of this moment, have been given the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to believe you over them. But I am going to ask you about it because you need to know the accusation has been made. And, 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 and of course, like most of, of these situations, what had been accused was not completely accurate, but it was somewhat accurate, which caused the person to say, well, I need to kind of watch myself there. I didn't realize it was coming across that way. Okay? But we give each other the benefit of the doubt. There's nothing, I think, that I don't know if you experienced this, and I don't mean this from arrogance or pride. I mean it from just I thought we were supposed to know each other. I do not consider people friends that if an accusation is made about me, they don't give me the benefit of the doubt. Now, you may find out that the person who's told you this, they're 100% right, and I need to be straightened out. But, but I, I would appreciate if you're my friend and you claim to know me that if something's been said about me that doesn't sound right, the first thing you think of is I'm going to go talk to Rick because I didn't sound right. Not, well, you can believe what Rick did, and not even have to, hadn't even talked to me about it yet. But in this case, Laban has lived in such a way that the concern about how he would act uh, is accurate. So let's not be like Laban. So he tells him to search, and he tells him why he, he left secretly. And then Jacob is indignant about being accused of stealing. He don't like it. You know what he's saying? What I just said. What have I ever done that make you accuse me of stealing? Right? If, you're, if you know somebody, you can see how that has, – has Jacob done anything other than be loyal and work and do what he was asked to do? And he says, I, I call for the execution of anyone who is caught with this stuff. Y'all realize right now if Rachel gets caught, we, we're, we got a bind going on here. So be careful about making those kind of uh, pontifications. So the relative who, uh, who are present – he said, all right, you brought these brothers. This, this is part of – this is your brothers. I'm, going, I'm so certain that I'm not guilty of this that they'll be the judge. You bring the stuff out, and they determine whether it's yours or not. That, 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 again, that's bold. Uh, so, but Rachel has this God the whole time and these gods, and she's the daughter of a deceiver – and she's married to one that can deceive. And guess what? She deceives her own brother. And how smart was it? Because you know what she's saying here in Scripture. She's saying she's on her cycle. And, of course, when a woman was on her cycle, she was considered to be unclean. So she knew that there's, a, there's no male in this culture that's going to come anywhere near a woman who's on her cycle. Now, we don't know whether she really was or not. This, this may have been something that she just made up. But what's kind of interesting is the fact this may lend itself to the commentary that may stand up more that she's doing this for spite. Because if a woman who's unclean is sitting on top of your God, they pollute in the God, okay? And so if this God had any power, it doesn't anymore, okay? And, and, and of course, we know that it doesn't. But this would be a disrespectful thing to do to anything that you held in any high regard in this culture, okay? So that may give us some indication that Rachel's not believing in this supernatural garbage that her brother does, but she's so glad that he's worried about it. And she, she knows how much it meant to him, so she took it. Now, that's, I think that's more plausible, especially by the fact that she's sitting there on it and hiding it in a place that would cause it to be unclean. 
Um, so anyway, because of this, it works. Uh, and, uh, and Laban wants nothing to do with that. So now when they realize that they haven't found anything now, you ever been there? Jacob's mad. Now you going to accuse us of stealing. Of course, he doesn't realize his wife really did do it, which is kind of funny, but, but, but now, now he's mad. Then Jacob became angry and berated Laban. Jacob said to Laban, what is my offense? What is my sin? that you have hotly pursued me, for uh, we, we read on through 42, for you have felt through all my goods what, what you have found of all, what, what have you found of all your household goods? Set, set it here before the kinsmen and, and your kinsmen, and, and they may decide between us two. These 22 years I've been with you, he'd been waiting to give this speech, hadn't he? These 22 years I've been with you. Have you ever had a speech that you can't wait to give? I mean, you think, man, if I could just, if I just get my chance, this is going to be my monologue. Well, that's what Jacob's been waiting on, and he's got his platform now. These 22 years I have been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was, even the ones, what was torn by wild beasts? I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it on myself. For my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was, by day the heat consumed me, the cold by night, and my sheep fled from my eyes. I never let them out of my sight. 41, these 22 years I've been in your house. I served you 14 years for two daughters and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the and, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands, and he rebuked you last night. Uh-huh. Take that. Man, I've been wanting to say that. He's been waiting to say that, hadn't he? You ever felt that way? Man, what else have I got to do for you for you to respect me and thank me and stop treating me like garbage? Now you call me a thief after all I've done. And he, and he lays it out. And, uh, and, and if you ever, I've had that happen. Have you ever made the mistake of like, say your, your wife has worked all day, all night working at the house or working wherever, whatever she's doing. And you make the mistake. Oh, the God forsaken mistake of just saying, well, why is this over here like this? Mm. Have you ever been given the resume from your wife on all the things that she does and, and all the things that that, that, that that we don't even we wouldn't even we don't even regard anymore? So be sure you thank everybody in your life that works hard for you, that you benefit from their hard work and their sacrifice. Be sure they know that you care. Because Jacob feels like he is underappreciated and underpaid. And uh, and he has had enough of it. And what he does here, this is not. This doesn't take long for us to unpack. All he's saying is, this is all I've done for you is loyalty, sacrifice, and producing. And all I've gotten back from you is deceit. Now let's show some tact here. I'm, some some some. Don't miss this. In the speech, what's the one thing that he doesn't bring up? This is good. Fooling him with Leah. He didn't bring that up because think how that would how Leah would feel sitting there. And then, you know, you send me in your other daughter that I didn't even want and trick me, 
And and you know that I was in love with Rachel. See, that's not in the speech. See, that that's Jacob once again realizing that Leah was a victim in all this, that Leah shouldn't be shamed in front of everybody, and he leaves that out of the rant. That shows his concern and 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 as much love as he can muster the respect of the mother of his children and the wife that 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 he got, even though it happened in a way of deceit. He doesn't shame her, even though he would love to say, and don't forget when you did that either. But he didn't do it. Uh, so he, he, he gives that, and what does he say? Something else we take away today that comforts us. But the Lord God saw my affliction. You may not have seen it, but God saw it. You may not have protected me, but God did. God knows how you treated me, and he took care of me. Because you wouldn't. And so at this point, uh, Laban realizes, hey, we gotta, we gotta, I got to go with the covenant here. So, um, so look at 43. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, the daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for these, my daughters, or for their children whom have been born. Come now, let, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let, and let it be a witness between you and me. And so Jacob took a stone and he set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap and they, they ate there by the heap. Laban called it, and this is, this is a tough, I've been trying to figure out how to say this word. And, uh, and and it is a lot. I think it is Jigar. We say that uh, Jigar is is the way that you say it. I've I've looked at some pronunciations of this. Um, and then if anybody wants to take on that second part, you're you're more than. And it is it is Jigar Sehadatha. Jigar Sehadatha. Anybody want to question me on that? No, everybody good with that? All right, so so that, that thank you very much. Uh, you know, just throwing a little Hebrew out there. Uh, but anyway, so um, and then he says, um, uh, and they ate by the heap. And then Jacob called it, changed it. Thank goodness, to something a little bit easier to say. Uh, and that is um, Gah lead. Uh, and uh, and Laban said, the heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore, he named it Galid and Mizpah. Uh, for he said, the Lord watched between you and me when we are out of one another's sight. If, if, if you uh, oppress my daughters uh, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no one is with us, see God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, see this heap and the pillar, which I have set between you and me. The heap is a witness. And the pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you, and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. All right, so we got about six minutes. Let me let me run through this. I think you kind of see what's happening here. Really, what's going on is they they collect these stones. They they make a pillar or a heap there. That the, the, the and and the heap it represents um, a heap of witnesses. That's what Jigar 
uh, Adatha means. It means heap of witnesses. And so when they eat together, when you were having a covenant with someone, you say, let's have a meal right here by this heap of witnesses. That means this covenant is being uh, viewed by the people here and by God himself. Uh, Mizpah means watchtower, and that, that stands for the Lord, that the Lord take account of anyone who betrays the covenant. Uh, the heap was a border that neither would pass into each other's territory with the intent to be hostile. Now, Laban, once again, shows who he really is spiritually. Don't miss. Laban is swearing to all kinds of gods. Laban says, uh, by the God of Abraham, uh, and then to uh, by the God or gods of Nahor, who also worshipped idols. Uh, confusingly, he throws out the God of Terah. We don't even know why that's coming in here. These were some other problems they had. So once again, Laban as he's always done, he's okay with the God who scared him in a dream, but he's trying to cover any gods that may exist. You don't see that from Jacob. What does Jacob say? I swear by the fear of Isaac. And if you go up uh, to verse 42, uh, you'll see if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, the fear of Isaac means Yahweh. He's saying, I'm simply saying I make this covenant to all the kinsmen, and I make it to Yahweh. He's not running down a bunch of gods and all that. He's saying Yahweh. It was sealed by sacrifice. That's normal. And a meal eaten together on the mountain. Uh, Laban says goodbye, satisfied with the agreement. Uh, God has intervened and weakened his resolve to get even with Jacob. So once again... Uh, the hero in all this is God. He's he's going to finish uh, what he said he was going to do, and uh, even though Laban declared himself an enemy of God's man, God in his uh, perfect sovereign plan uh, says, I will weaken his resolve to get even with you. I'll take care of that. But you see the character of the two guys being revealed through the whole thing, and you see that God is taking this family <laughs> that has been put together in all kinds of deception and all kinds of mess, and you see what he's doing. He's molding it together once again, fixing a broken family into something that he's more comfortable with, that functions more the way he intended. That moment where Jacob doesn't bring up the Leah thing, uh, him consulting his wives, his wives saying, we've seen that God is with you. Do whatever he says. You see how this is all working? as he's working his way back to where God said he would be 20 years after he left. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the message. Thank you for so much that we took away from this today and uh, uh, this uh, incredible narrative of, of world history. And, and, and let's right now, let's just remember what we're talking about is not a story. The, these, Lord, are real people. As you are, a, a, are as real as, as you have been from the beginning, you are the beginning, and you are allowing us to see things that you have done throughout the history of the world. These are not stories. These are not analogies. This is history, and it's a history about you. It's a history about you and how we turned away from you, and you are working out as only you can a plan to reconcile us back to you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for tolerating us when we are 
impossible to tolerate. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace and your mercy and your holiness as you mold us into something that is much more comfortable to you as opposed to us trying to make you into something that we're more comfortable with. We are the problem. You are not. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking time to be with us.